an authority on the Golden State Warriors, if there ever was one, Mr. Marcus Thompson. Nice enough to join us here on Damon Bruce Plus. Thank you very much, Marcus. And if I've got my calendar right, this is the first official interview we've been able to do in about a decade. So uh, long time, no talk. How you doing, man? Jeez, has it really been that long? Well, yeah, we don't have the powers that be lording over us with stupid rules and embargoes anymore. So here we go. Contracts. Contracts. <laughs> Contracts. Always there to get in the way, never there to save you when you really, really need it. Uh, Facts, let's, just, right. let, let's just jump right into the fact that Draymond has opted out of his contract. I've always insisted that this was the first step into him staying with the Golden State Warriors, much less leaving the Golden State Warriors what do you think the price is to bring him back that the Warriors want to put in front of him? And Marcus, do you think he'll sign at that price? He's got some money coming. Either way it goes, right? Whether it's with the Warriors or not. And there was a time that wasn't certain. After he punched Jordan Poole and, you know, maybe his play declined some. All right, perhaps he might need to opt into that $27 million because that would be the best he's got. Rich Paul is saying... You've got some money out there, buddy. Somebody wants you. And that helps his negotiations with the Warriors. So I don't think it ends his chance of staying with the Warriors. It definitely means he's getting paid, though. Uh, and now it's going to come down to how close the Warriors can get. I don't think they'll need to be the highest bidder, but they'll need to be in the ballpark because the best place for him to win and get paid, you could argue, is with the Warriors. Uh, there'll be some other places he can get more money, but the chance to win might not be as good, or he could have a better chance to win, but the money won't be there. But the best of both worlds is probably with the Warriors. So it just means they'll have to pay. And I'm sure the Warriors thought they would get a, a discount on that $27 million. Like maybe you could bring them back for much less, save some money. But I don't know if that's happening, Damon. I think that might be... That might be out the window now because that Rich Paul did not opt out of that deal because they didn't think they could get it more than that or at least that. So it'll be tough to see him take significantly less to the $27.9 million in any new deal he gets. Are the Warriors cooling on their relationship with Jonathan Kaminga? In any way do you expect him to be involved in a draft day trade that gets them moving up maybe even into the lottery? I don't think they're cooling at all. I think I don't think it's changed at all, actually. Uh, I do think, despite what we've seen over the last month, where you know he doesn't play in the playoffs, and we're seeing the same thing with Poole, who had a rough year, that's never the barometer for how t people are valued. Because fans don't like a player doesn't mean he doesn't have value. So I do think what they're finding out is people want Jordan Poole. People want Jonathan Kaminga. There are other teams who are like, hey, man, you put him on our roster, we could do something with that. So now it's like, hey, well, well what can you fetch for him, right? What can you do? Uh, there, there is a cost component to this. When you start thinking about it, it's like Kaminga's in his third year. He was the number seven pick. So that 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 figure is going to be higher than the whatever rookie salary they slot in. Uh is there any value in swapping those if you could get something with Kaminga, like you replace him? I could see the money element there, but I just feel like people are seeing this dude is 20 years old 
and they want him. And now you kind of got to test the waters on it. The same is true with Poole. Nobody was more derided than Jordan Poole this past season. But I don't think that's stopping any other GM from saying, I could use a dude that can guarantee me 20 off the bench. <laughs> and that's basically what Jordan Poole is. I know that there's been a ton of talk about what the Warriors will or won't do in terms of getting aggressive in this draft. I actually don't think that they're about to move Kaminga, nor do I think they're about to trade Jordan Poole at this time. I think they're going to make a pick at 19. And if you do as well, who do you think that pick might be? Yo, I have zero idea. <laughs> After covering the finals, I took a nap. And now I'm just now like getting into the draft. There's a few players. I've got I'm, I'm going the easy route, David. I'm, I'm taking the easy way out and I'm going with uh Chris Murray, Keegan Murray's brother. Let's just keep it in the family, keep it keep it in NorCal. Uh he's a good player. He's clearly not as good as his brother, but you know, he's a solid player. Here's, here's what I think. I think it'll be a Warriors-type player. I think that's the difference. You, you go from uh, James Wiseman to Jonathan Kaminga the, the, and even a little bit Moses Moody, but I think he fits better. They went with kind of counter the Warriors player. They were like, we have these Warriors players. We're missing something. Let's kind of supplement it, and it didn't work. Right, like James Wiseman didn't work, uh, and Jonathan Kaminga like hasn't worked at times we thought he would work. I think if they do it now, it'll be a player who can pass, a player who kind of understands the game. I I highly doubt he'd be 19 years old or 20 years old. I'm thinking somebody that's played a few years in college. Those types of players, I think. Trace Jackson Davis, I'm looking at a poor man, Skavon Looney, with a little bit more scoring around the rim. Of course, I'm a little biased having gone to Indiana. I, I want a Hoosier on the Warriors. What, what's roster. the guy from Santa Clara, the local guy? I don't know oh. how to say his last name. Yeah, the uh, Pod. Yeah, Pod. Yeah, yeah, Pod. Yeah, yeah. You know, as a, as a West Coast Conference guy, I'm, I wouldn't mind that pick at all. Somebody with the roots in the West Coast Conference. I was flying to Denver for the finals game, and Randy Bennett was on my flight. And, you know, that, that's, that's where I started was covering St. Mary's. So uh, I, those West Coast Conference guys are usually sleepers, but they know how to play hoop. They, they know the game. They understand. I just have a hard time thinking after what Steve Kerr just basically loudly said, I'm not playing guys who can't play, that they turn around and give them another guy who can't play. So I do think it would be a, it'll be a different type of player when they select one. Marcus, what do you think Clay Thompson's got left to really give the Warriors in terms of winning another championship? Does he have to reevaluate himself to maybe where he's coming off the bench? Poole is your starting two guard. Are we looking at the final season of Clay Thompson in a Warriors uniform? That's definitely possible. And I don't think it's because of his game as much as because of his contract. And the CBA is only going to get more punitive. So they, they really need Clay to take a a nice little hometown discount. And I don't know if Clay Thompson is down to take a hometown discount. That's what we'll find out. I do think he could be a championship player. I don't think it's that hard. He just got to play smarter. I mean, it really boils down to Clay playing smarter basketball. Kind of realize like the peak physicality isn't there anymore. So you got to think the game more. I think that's the tough part for him. He spent the better part of the last few years like trying to King Kong his way, you know, 
you know, you know, he's like he's like a Alonzo from uh, Trader Day. You know, King Kong ain't got nothing on me. Like he's trying to will his way to be in the old play, and and I think this summer has to be about all right. Let's 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 flip our game some. Let's get smarter. Let's figure out what can I add to my game to make me better. I, yeah, I still feel like it's there. He's not as good defensively, but he's effective defensively, which is why I don't think he, you know, you want him off the bench because you get significantly worse defensively swapping him out with Poole. And while Clay has his issues defensively, he still can do some things. I just feel like number they need another player, and per- perhaps a full season of Wiggins helps. But I just think he needs to play smarter. He needs to just let go of old Clay. And embrace the new clay, the the OG who's smarter, who's wiser, who picks his spots, and who isn't trying to prove to the world that he's the same dude from 2019. The smartest, wisest OG covering the Warriors, Marcus Thompson, here with Damon Bruce. It's good to be talking to you again. Chris Paul, at the right price, does that help the Warriors? No, cut it out. (laughs) I feel the same way. I'm glad you're saying it too. No. Uh, First off, Chris Paul would never. <laughs> and because Chris Paul would never, I don't think Steph Curry would ever. Right? I mean, that that would be a seismic shift in attitudes and demeanors, right? These two are rivals. And Chris Paul is maniacally competitive. And I just don't see him coming. First off, I don't see him going anywhere to come off the bench. If he came to the Warriors, guess where he's going to do it? He's coming off the bench. So that's number one. Can you imagine Chris Paul ending his career as Steph Curry's backup? Like, I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't sound I don't right when you say it out loud. It really doesn't. I don't think he'd swallow that. And I think Steph has far too much respect for Chris Paul to put him through that. <laughs> I just don't see it. Warriors fans' biggest fears are Joe Lacob and Kirk Lacob becoming an NBA version of Jerry Jones and the Dallas Cowboys, where the owner is involved to the point of overly meddlesome. What do you think of Mike Dunleavy Jr.? And if Warriors fans were to be realized, there really isn't a hire out there that could prevent that from happening. So you got to kind of have a little faith in the Lakeups, I think, if you're a Warriors fan, that they won't turn into that worst-case scenario in a lot of fans' minds. What do you think? I mean, to be really honest, I actually think Kurt is good. <laughs> I don't think, I don't think he's one of those like I'm just here because my daddy owns the team, right? Like, I've had so many conversations with Kurt just about, you know, like hoop and and what they're doing and how they think. I actually think he's good. And, he's, he's detailed. I mean, I've yeah, I mean, in the little bit that I've talked to him too, you can tell he's not just picking up the, you know, easy no talking points. He's got detail. He's got an eye on stuff. And, and you know what? He he's learned, right? Like he's taken his time to learn. He's done the G League stuff. He's worked under Bob Myers. He's worked done on the business side. I definitely think that is the comp, though. Not not from the perspective of like, you know how the Jones is kind of slapstick about it, right? Like, right. <laughs> I I don't I don't think that. I do think though, the the path for Kirk Lakeup is far more. I'm going to run this team one day, right? So say, for for instance, out of nowhere, just, you know, because God loves Oakland, 
John Fisher decides to sell the team to Joe Lakin, right? Like, and Joe would have to embark on this major project to rebuild, to build whatever stadium and get the age cranking, which is a behemoth task, especially in the Bay Area, right? Like, who's going to run the Warriors? That's Kirk Lakin. You know what I'm saying? So I do think his path – I think general manager is too small for Kirk. Right. I wouldn't also, want to be the general manager in waiting. I'd want to be the next owner in waiting yeah. if I were him. I also think he don't want all of that attention, which – which also gives me makes me feel better about it. Like he's not like he could be the general manager if he wants to. He could be out here. He could be you know. It could be articles about him. It could be front center. Like he don't really want that. Like he's he's a little bit more cynical than most people think. So I actually feel like Mike Dunleavy could be good. The problem though is it has nothing to do with like whether he's good as a basketball mind. Like, with the Warriors, especially over the last 10 years, it's been about how well you handle adversity and your relationship building. So you might be good. You might know how to evaluate players. You might, you know, be able to negotiate. But the Warriors aren't really in blockbuster trades like that. They aren't pulling off the three-foot, the three-team deal. Like, it's about trying to get some dude to take less money to come play with you. <laughs> yeah. And it's about, like, managing – drama when it comes like those are the things that harm the words the most like that's where bob was great it's making sure everybody kind of understands what's best for the franchise and making it happen like i do feel like mike dunleavy knows basketball he's seen enough he's learned enough like he'll know and he his name is known right like people will pick up his call i don't have any issues with that but what happens next year when you know, whatever the version of Draymond Jordan who happens next year, right? Right. Or like, like that's the thing that we got to find out if Dunleavy's good at. When Joe calls at three in the morning, like I need a deal for Giannis right now. Like, how does Dunleavy handle that, right? Like, so the elements that make people a good GM aren't the only elements to make you a Warriors GM, and and that's why Bob Myers isn't here anymore, by the way, because <laughs> it's a it's a lot and. Mike Dunleavy's got a lot on his plate right now. It's a 24-hour-a-day job. At least that's the way Joe Lacob thinks about it. You will be on. Didn't it feel that way when watching it, Damon? When you watch this, like, oh, I see, I see it now. <laughs> yeah. No, there's, there's no doubt. Joe is a demanding boss. There, there is no doubt, and I think that those demands are a big reason why this team has enjoyed its success. Those oh, demands yeah. could also be the thing that undoes some of the team's success along the way. And to me, every single decision that is made between now and the end of the Steph Curry era is simply with one goal in mind, getting Steph back to one more NBA Finals. I will set the over-under, Marcus, at half in NBA Finals. Does Steph get to one more? Yes, I do, I do think he gets to one What more. if I got aggressive and set it at one and a half? Would you say he gets to two more? I'm going to say yes, but here's the bombshell. What if they're not with the Warriors? Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> <laughs> See, now now the internet melts down and know, we get right? hate mail and that's what happens. Uh, what nah. do you think of the Suns putting together their version of a big three? From an entertainment standpoint, from a top-shelf liquor standpoint, they got top-shelf liquor, but there is no well to drink out of. That gets shallow fast. Yeah, I, I'm not the biggest fan of the move. Uh it's so weird that they did that considering how they lost. And I don't think, I mean, I get it, right? You're running like 
Chris Paul out there, you don't know what you get from him in the back of his campaign. But like Bradley Beal gets hurt, and also, I mean, uh, Kevin Durant I, gets hurt. I think at this point yeah, in time in his career I, too. I, I do feel like Bradley Beal is not a bad lead guard. Like he's a put the ball in my hands. I could see him being far more of a playmaker distributor, knowing he's got KD. Like they need that. They need somebody who could have the ball in their hands at the end of games and be like, I got this. But they they lost that series because they gave up Michael Bridges and Cam Johnson. Not only did they lose depth, they lost defense. And they didn't add either one of those <laughs> in the Bradley Beal trade. So it just feels like it's going to be explosive. They'll be able to get buckets. But you know, man, you got to be able to defend. And the, the like winning a championship requires – random success from random players, right? Like, it just – you got to have that kind of help from somewhere. Like, we watched it with Denver where out of nowhere, rookie Christian Brown gets 15 points in the big game. Like, I don't know who that would be for Phoenix. So, I'm not that I'm not that moved, but I don't think they can beat Denver. I don't think that puts them over the hump with Denver. I, I will say that, especially knowing it probably ends DeAndre's eight and tenure with the Suns. Because he ain't never getting the ball again. Marcus, I want to wrap up with a question for you about you. And I really mean this. Don't be humble about it because, you know, I have I mean, this is I'm not buttering you up. I really mean this. I think you are an extraordinary writer. You are incredible as a wordsmith. When did you realize that that writing for you could become a profession, not just a passion? Oh, that's a great question, and it's all gas. I don't believe you, but I do have a story for you. Give me a story. When I was at Oakland Tech, um, I played for the basketball team, but I wasn't good at all. Like, I was playing JV, and I had one good game, and I was like, yo, I can't wait to see the school paper. It was called the Tech Scribe. So next, I wanted to go. I'm looking for the school paper because I'm I'm certain, Damon, that there's going to be a big centerpiece story on me. I was like, man, I think I had like 20 points or something like that in a random JV preseason game. Podium game. So I go there. Podium game. Hey, I had my podium game. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and there was nothing at all. And so the teacher, her name was Madeline Pyatt. She said, "We don't have a sports writer." But you can be our sports writer. So I signed it. I joined the school paper thinking, fine, and I'll just write articles about myself. <laughs> and, and in the process, I learned, like, hey, that's kind of not what journalism is. But randomly, out of nowhere, uh, we had this guest speaker. And it, for some reason, it never dawned on me. Like, I had a Jim Murray book. As a kid, I was a regular reader of the sports section. Like, all I used to have to fight my grandmother because she, she, her rule was you can't touch the paper until she reads it all. So I would have to like sneak the sports section out and like put it back so it looked like it's not touched, right? I mean, I was, I read, I knew who Ralph Wiley was, right? I, I just, I just knew about these people because that's what we read. Uh, Monty Poole was covering, he was the high school sports reporter when I was in high school. So like I read all this stuff and it never dawned on me that it was something I would ever do or I could ever do until I take this class. And guess who was the guest is the guest speaker and he helped me with a story and it just like 
popped, just like illuminated popped. I was like, yo, this is good. And he was telling me I was good. But and I'm like, I'm starting to put two plus two together. And he's the one who helped me see that I could do this. And it was a, uh, uh, I used to read Sports Illustrated all the time too. So he wrote for Sports Illustrated. So I had like a kind of like, oh, I know, I know what Sports Illustrated is. And he helped me kind of. That was the first time I saw this was a career. Who was? You'll never guess who it was. Uh, Mike Silver. Mike Silver. That's exactly who it was. There you go. Good you said job. Illustrated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good job. Right. It was, yeah. It was Mike Silver. Yep. He, yeah. uh, I, I didn't even. It never even crossed my mind. So then I go to college and, you know, I write. I join the school paper and I write my first article. And they Where'd were you like, go? Where'd you go? Clark Atlanta University. I went to an HBCU and I'm like. I wrote an article, and they were like, this is so good. Can you be the sports editor? And so at that point, I was like, oh, I'm nice, nice. Oh, I'm the, I'm, I'm the next superstar. So, you know, eventually the business humbles you. But I, I just did – I always wrote poems and wrote a lot as a kid. My dad used to write a lot. Uh, just with this idea of we are a very talking family, lots of arguing, lots of talking. So I was always just good at taking what I understood – and make it and, and sharing how I felt and how I thought. I just didn't know it could be like a, a sports career or anything like that. So I credit Mike Silver for showing me that. But uh, just getting into the industry and there's so many people who helped me along the way. It's just weird that this is what I do. I never, I never envisioned this as my life. <laughs> but it's a great life. I ain't mad at all. Look, you are you're extraordinary at what you do, and it stands out in times where. You know, basically, you know, the, the rights of entry are being eroded everywhere. There are no editors for Twitter, and Fact. it's just a screaming space with no real arbiter of any sort of reason put behind what a lot of people throw out there. You are careful and calculated and smart and just inquisitive and... Every time I read you, I want to read more. I'm always disappointed. I'm kind of at the end of the article, and I really mean that, man. I've been subscribing to the newspapers that you've written for, to you know the website that you write for. You and Slater and Kawakami do, I think, the best job in any beat covering the Golden State Warriors. You're all extraordinary at what you do. And let's have another conversation before another 10 years goes by. It was great catching <laughs> up with you, man. Thank you very, very much. I appreciate that very much. You know, you're an OG, so I'm with the OGs, man. We came from a different era, so I appreciate that. It means a lot coming from people who know what it used to be like. Forget this modern stuff. So anytime, I got you. You know, you, you we, we don't have any constraints anymore, so let's get it. Let's get it. Marcus, thanks a lot, man. Thank you. Appreciate it.